Uh, well, if you could open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we are continuing our study through the book of Matthew, and we're right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which covers Matthew 5 through 7. And we've said this almost every week, but I think it's good to remind ourselves that Jesus here, he is teaching his disciples. He's teaching His followers, Christians, those who are followers of Christ that want to be obedient to the Word of God. And what Jesus is showing His followers is that living your life as a follower of Christ looks different than living your life following the world. To be a citizen of the kingdom of God, it's different than being a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. And so we've seen that when it comes to anger, when it comes to lust, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to keeping your word or retaliating or loving those who hate you, we do these things different than the world. And following Jesus, it's completely countercultural. If if you believe what Jesus believes and what Jesus taught about marriage today, you're a narrow-minded bigot in our culture. If you try to take Jesus' teaching on lust and not even uh, have lust in your thoughts or in your heart because Jesus says that's having adultery, committing adultery in your heart. If you hold to that, people will say, you just need to ease up. You, you don't want to have any fun. You, you don't really believe that. But this is what following Jesus looks like. It's living completely opposite of the world in every single way. And today's passage is no different. Jesus is going to teach us about our possessions and what we treasure, what we hold dearest to us. And so we're going to see that being a citizen of the kingdom of God when it comes to these things looks different than the world. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at more spiritual matters, our giving, our fasting, our prayer, and how we're to do those rightly and not to bring glory to ourselves, but to bring glory to God. We don't do these things to make a show out of it. Over the next few weeks, Jesus is going to talk about more practical matters, our possessions, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. But what's important to note is that Jesus cares just as much about how we handle these things than he does about how we pray and how we give and how we fast. We have a tendency as Christians to separate these two things. We have the the spiritual part of our lives and then we have the more practical, everyday, what you could call secular part of our lives. And we tend to keep these things separated. But that's not how it should be in the kingdom of God. Uh, Christ's rule and reign doesn't just apply in these four walls of the church. But Jesus reigns over the whole earth. And so as his citizens, we take his reign to the whole earth and we profess Christ in every area of our lives. And this includes our possessions. Because really, our very existence as believers should be to advance the kingdom of Christ in every area of thought and life. Amen. Not just here at church, but at work, at home with our families, 
when we're on the golf course, when we're taking our kids to school, whatever we're doing, we bring the kingdom of God with us into the world. Amen. So with that being said, let's go ahead and look at our passage this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24 of Matthew 6. And Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that the truth of what you are teaching us today would go deep into our hearts. Lord, that you would change our hearts. Lord, that you would give us a a passion and a desire for the things of your kingdom, for the things of eternity, for things that last. Lord, help us today to see the truth, to hear the truth, and to obey it in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, we see three different examples that Jesus uses to address our heart towards material possessions. Verses 19 through 21, he talks about treasures. Verses 22 through 23, he talks about vision. And then in verse 24, he talks about masters. And in each of these examples, he he gives us two sides. He shows us the world's way, and then he shows us the kingdom way. So let's look at this first one with treasures. Again, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We live in a very materialistic world. Our world, our culture is obsessed with stuff. People find their identity, their value, their worth, their hope is in things, in possessions. And if we aren't careful, we can fall into this trap as well. And I don't know if you've noticed, but technology and advertisers and marketers are professionals at putting stuff in front of your eyes 24-7. Just this week, I was on the Bible website, Bible Gateway. I like to go there because you can easily scroll through the 300-plus English translations and, you know, preparing your notes. It's easy to copy and paste and whatnot. Anyways, I'm reading and studying about laying up treasures in heaven, and on the side, there's an advertisement for a pair of shoes. And 
maybe you've noticed this, but especially on social media, somehow they know exactly what to advertise to get you to really want it. I mean, this wasn't a woman's pair of shoes. It wasn't a, a kid's pair of shoes. It was a, a nice pair of dress shoes for men. And on the Bible website, I'm having to pray and, you know, focus on the Word and not desire these pair of shoes while I'm preparing to preach on not wanting the things of this world. <laughs> but this is what the world values, is stuff. And this is the message we're hearing 24-7. You'll be happier with a bigger house, a shinier car, a newer phone. If you know your phone just happens to be two years old, my goodness, what are you doing with a two-year-old phone? You need to get a new phone. Or vacations, everybody right now in the summer, they're showing off all the wonderful places they're going and how great it is to be the white sands and the blue water. And If we're not careful, we can see this and fall into the trap that if, if I had that vacation, I would be happier. If I had that house, I would be happier. If I had a car that still smelled brand new, man, I would just be full of so much joy. But we're not to treasure these things in our lives. These things aren't bad. I thank God that I have a home. I thank God that I didn't have to walk here today. I drove in my car. I'm thankful that I have a phone and I'm thankful for vacations. But we don't live our lives to accumulate these things. We don't worship these things. Because as Jesus says, these things will pass away. Your house will get cracks, your roof will wear out, your AC will go bad, your, your car doesn't always, it's not going to keep that new car smell forever. In fact, your car will depreciate, the average is that the value of your car will depreciate by 20% in its first year. So as soon as you drive your car off the lot, it's already losing its value. And I've never been on a vacation where they, when I went to check out, turn in the key, they said, no, this vacation lasts forever, you know, <laughs> enjoy it. No, even our vacations wear out because we live in a fallen world where nothing lasts forever. And if these things don't perish, they can easily be taken away from us. I've known people who have experienced a house fire and just instantly within minutes, everything that they have is gone. So Jesus is saying not to treasure these things, not to rely and trust on these things to bring you happiness, to bring you joy, to bring you fulfillment in your life, because they are fading away. And nothing that we amass in this life we can take with us into eternity. Job said, naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. Now I've had the blessing of experiencing four children being birthed into this world. None of them came in wearing a diaper or wearing clothes or having a bottle. They were all naked. And I've also experienced people passing from this life into eternity. And they don't take anything with them. Everything that we have in this life, all of our material possessions, none of it will go with us into eternity. And so Jesus is telling us not to 
treasure these things, not to be so preoccupied with your thinking and with your energy and efforts just to acquire stuff because it's all fading away and we can't take it with us into eternity. Now we have to be careful that when we come to this text that we don't read it and take it out of context and think, oh, Jesus is saying that material possessions are evil and that we are supposed to, as Christians, live a life of lack and not have anything, that we just go build a little hut in the woods and we're detached from society. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, all throughout Scripture, we see that the blessings of God oftentimes come with material blessings. Uh, if you want to turn quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 28, in Deuteronomy 28, Moses, before the people of Israel are entering into the promised land, Moses, he's not going to be going into the promised land because of his disobedience to the Word of God. And so he is using his final moments to charge the people of Israel to live for the Lord in the promised land, to obey His Word, to keep His commandments. And so Deuteronomy 28 is a chapter that highlights the blessings that will be for God's people as they obey His Word, but then it shows the curses for those that are disobedient to His Word. So Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 4, Moses says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So Moses lists some of these blessings. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Now, I don't know about you, but to me that sounds like material possessions will increase as you are faithfully being obedient to the Lord. One more passage, because I know that you hear this and your prosperity gospel radar starts going off and you get worried that I'm going to you know, just start saying that God wants to bless you and He wants all of us to be millionaires. That's not what I'm saying. Um, let's see, Proverbs chapter 3, if we could turn. You don't need to turn, I'll, I'll read it. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So we don't, we don't see in Scripture anything wrong with being wealthy. What matters is our hearts and what we do with the wealth that God has given us. We are to honor the Lord with our wealth. Now, okay, that's the Old Testament. That's the people of Israel. I need more proof. I need to believe that this is for me, these words in the Scripture. Okay, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in this chapter, Paul tells Timothy how to instruct those in the church that are wealthy. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 it says, as for the rich 
in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now notice here, Paul doesn't say, as for the rich, tell them to give away every single one of their possessions and chastise them for being rich to begin with. No, he tells them to make sure that their hope isn't set on their wealth. And this is what Jesus is telling us. We don't place our hope in things. We don't place our hope in our 401k. We don't place our hope in the appreciation of our homes. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in the one who gives us every good and perfect gift. So I don't think Jesus is saying that we can't have possessions or we can't make investments for the future or that we can't enjoy the things that he has given us. So let's look again at verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. This is the, the miser, the Scrooge, the one that holds on to everything that he has, has no consideration for others, has no consideration for sowing his resources and his time into the kingdom of God. But he is just happy to be sitting on his wealth and enjoy it all for himself and for his family. Jesus had this parable to share that really gets to the heart of what he's talking about here in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions and he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops and he said I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So again, in this parable, Jesus isn't admonishing the farmer for being rich. He's rebuking him for what he did with his wealth. That he was holding on to it for himself. That he had no intentions of blessing others with what God had blessed him with. So Jesus here, he's wanting his followers to know that we're not living for this life. For the accumulation and enjoyment of stuff. Because all of this will pass away and it can even be taken from you in an instant. We're to treasure something greater. 
There is treasures to be had for all of us who are in Christ, and that is heavenly treasures. And these will last well past this life. So what does it look like to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? I think all of us in here, at least most of us, want to be obedient to the Word of God. We want to obey what Jesus is teaching us today. So what does this look like? How do we do this? Well, we do it by investing in the kingdom of God. Investing in things that will last past this life. My dad had a saying that he told us brothers oftentimes in our home, and that was to think eternal. He would often come home um, either from working in the office, studying the Word of God, or working in the studio, making music for the kingdom of God. He would come home and find us watching TV or playing video games, and it just, it's like it, it broke his brain. He couldn't understand how we could just be, what he would say, wasting our life on things that didn't matter. He would say, come on, guys, think eternal. There's so much you could be spending your time on, on things that matter. And so I agree now, at the time, (laughs) you know, Dad, I'm a kid. I've finished my homework. My room's mostly clean. I've done all the important things. Just let me play this wrestling video game with my brothers. But this is so true. We, we can become so preoccupied with stuff, with things that in the light of eternity are completely meaning, meaningless. And so I'm going to take my dad's phrase and I'm going to alter it just a little bit and I'm going to say we need to invest eternal. That we need to put our time, our energy, our resources, our efforts into things that will last well past this life. And as we do this, this is laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And so this can be done in many different ways. The first way, and I think this is most important, is to invest in your own spiritual development. If you aren't spending time in the Word, if you aren't spending time in prayer, if you aren't spending time with the community of believers, you aren't going to have the heart or the desire or the ability to be investing into other people or to be investing into kingdom ministries. You you just won't want to do it. And so this is the first way that we lay up treasures in heaven is we get our own hearts right. We make sure that we are spending time and we are being edified by the Word of God and by the body of Christ. And then we invest in our families and those around us. If you are setting up your home, which your home is as the head of a household, those who lead their household, your your home really is a mini kingdom. And what is it that, what environment are you fostering in your home? Is it a kingdom of the world or is it a kingdom of God? If you were to ask your children, what is it that you think I truly care about, that I am truly passionate about? What would they say? Would they say it's about the Word of God and advancing His kingdom? Or is it about football? 
or fantasy football or fishing or HGTV or, you know, insert any of these things. Now again, none of these things are evil, but it's the heart that matters. There's a lot of parents throughout history that gave their kids wonderful, a wonderful life full of enjoyment and a lot of stuff, but there was no kingdom investment. And so all of those things, all of everything will fade in the light of eternity. So I want to challenge us to invest in things that matter. Parents, if, if you've spent tons of money on the latest and greatest video game, but you haven't bought your child a good Bible to read at home, there's a problem with that. And so let's invest in things that matter. Let's invest in resources that can build us up, that can build our families up, that can build up your spouse, that can build up your children, because these are things that will last for all eternity. Amen. And then we can also sow into kingdom ministries, like Escuela Viva, for instance. That is, sponsoring a child is laying up a treasure in heaven. As you sow into that ministry, and as children are given an education, and they hear the gospel, they're being presented with the gospel, nothing can take that away from them. That will last for all eternity. And so in all of these areas, the, the motive is to glorify God. It is a sacrifice to lead your children in the Word, to, to spend time in prayer, to spend time reading the Word and teaching them the Word. You, your motive isn't to do it for yourself. It isn't to do it so that they think you're a great dad. Your motive is to be obedient to Christ and to glorify Him. And we are not building our own kingdom. And so in, in the kingdom of God, to lay up treasures in heaven, we have to lay ourselves down. And so this is what it looks like to not store up for ourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. Now Jesus, he, he transitions from talking about treasures to talking about vision. Verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now at first, it might seem like these two verses are a little bit out of place. They're, they're sandwiched between Jesus talking about earthly possessions and what you treasure and then on the other side of it is saying you can't serve God and money and in between these two teachings we have this verse about the eye being the lamp and talking about our vision but it's actually very connected because good vision helps you see clearly if your vision is bad it makes everything difficult if you blindfold yourself on the way out of here you're not going to get five feet on Callahan Road before you've made a complete disaster of things. If, if you're not seeing clearly, you will not desire to invest into the kingdom of God. And oftentimes in Scripture, the eye and the heart are connected. 
And so where, where Jesus is talking about your, your vision, if your vision is clear, if your vision is, is full of light, the rest of your body will be full of light. You, you can apply that to your heart as well. And really he's talking about your soul. If your soul is full of darkness, you're, you're going to have no desire to invest in the kingdom of God. If your soul is full of darkness, you will be selfish. You will just be thinking about what can you do to get the most out of this life for your own pleasure. But if your soul is full of light, it will be like Jesus said, it will be a, you will be a city on a hill where people will see that light. And if, if you have no vision for the kingdom, then really you are living in darkness. But if your spiritual eyes are healthy, then you can see clearly. You can prioritize what is important to God and the advancement of his kingdom. And we all know from experience that this isn't easy. We can go through seasons of our lives where maybe we have the right priorities, but things come into our lives that can cloud our vision. And even cloudy vision, it's difficult to do things. How many of you own glasses and sometimes you put on those glasses and it's hopeless? There's no point without cleaning them. Maybe your kids just finished eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they found your glasses. I know that's happened to my wife before. And she's got to clean her glasses to renew her vision. And the same can be true of us. We can have things come up in our lives that can blur our vision for what's really important. Maybe you just were named or voluntold to be the head coach of your kid's Little League baseball team. Before you know it, you're, you're you know, head and shoulders deep on watching videos on YouTube on how to coach a Little League team and signs for a third base coach to relay to the batter. And, you know, it can just consume you. And before you know it, this is, this is what you're passion is and this is all that you care about or another one that maybe hits a little closer to home maybe your favorite NBA team has been garbage for the last five years <laughs> and recently they've drafted a generational talent that's going to change the scope of the NBA if you aren't careful this can completely consume you to where you're spending all your hours even watching their summer league games and watching videos of their practices and waiting for the schedule to drop so you can spend $150 on a nosebleed ticket for the home opener. <laughs> it might be obvious I'm speaking from experience on this one. <laughs> but I, I have had to be honest with myself and renew my vision and tell myself these things are not important in the light of eternity. And all of us have these different areas in our lives that want to cloud our vision. They want to make our vision fuzzy. And we need to be aware of what those are. And we need to be honest with ourselves. And when we, we find our uh, inclinations and our affections being drawn to these material things in the world, we need to go back to the Word. We need to go back and get on our knees in prayer and ask that God would renew our vision and set our priorities straight. And so our vision is very important when we are pursuing to live for the kingdom of God. 
And so Jesus shows us there's a difference between the treasures of man and the treasures of the kingdom. There's a difference between the vision of man and the world, which is darkness, and the vision of the kingdom, which is light. And then lastly here, he says that there are two types of masters. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the other and love, hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus here, he's using the, the wording of a slave and his master. He's not talking about a, a boss. He's not saying you can't work two jobs. He, he's specifically talking about a slave and his master. A slave cannot be the property of two masters. He belongs to one master. And so Jesus is saying that we can ultimately only serve one God. You can try as hard as you can to be very interested in the Word of God, but also very interested in material possessions and gaining wealth. But one of those ultimately is going to be your God. And if it isn't Christ, it will always be everything else. You can't serve God on Sundays, but then Monday through Saturday you're serving uh, what the older translations of this passage say is mammon, which means wealth and possessions and money. When we're consumed with these things, when we're consumed with money and possessions and entertainment, we are serving the gifts rather than the one who gave us those gifts. James says in, in his epistle, James 1 verse 17, he says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So again, it comes back to our heart and realizing where these gifts come from. It's okay to have material possessions. It's okay to enjoy those things. But as you enjoy them, you realize where they came from. And as you enjoy them, you enjoy them as worship unto the one who blessed you with them. Amen. So Jesus says this, this way of living, of having treasures on earth and serving money and serving wealth, this is not how citizens of the kingdom of God are to live their lives. God is to be our master. God is to be our sole authority in our lives. His word is what we serve. He alone is our king. And as you do that, it puts everything else in its proper place. As you focus on God, as you worship him alone, there's a hymn that says, I think I've shared this before, but turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so what a privilege it is that we have that God can be our master. The fact that Jesus would even give us the opportunity to serve the creator of the universe, the, the one who set the stars in the sky, the one who created all things, that he can 
be our master, that we can serve Him, that we can lay up treasures that would advance His kingdom. What a joy that is for the believer. So I want to ask you, is Christ your master today? Have you made Him Lord over every area of your life? Is is Jesus King in here and out there? What is it that you treasure today? Where is your heart? I'm asking us today to honestly look at our hearts. What is it that we treasure? Is it the things of this world, the things that are passing away? Do our, does our family think that we're more excited about stuff and entertainment and possessions than we are about His Word and His kingdom? Maybe you've become prey to this materialistic world and all of its treasures, and you found yourself building your own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. If that's you today, repent and ask the Lord to help you renew your vision, to get a right perspective on what truly matters. Ask God to show you how you can invest more into His kingdom and lay up treasures in heaven. He's not going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. The Lord will help you on this and the Holy Spirit will convict you of things. And as He does, it's our job to be obedient to the leading and the convicting of the Holy Spirit. And so as you do this, as you pursue the righteousness of Christ personally and in your family, and as you are more giving of your time and your resources to kingdom things, the result is that God would be glorified. And that is what we live for. The, the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. As we seek first His kingdom, as we invest eternally, there's joy that comes with that. Jesus isn't asking us to live a life that won't produce joy and peace and happiness. Obeying God and obeying His Word is truly how to live a blessed life. Amen. 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 Well, let's pray this morning, and then we'll move into a time of communion. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. God, I know that what we read today is challenging for all of us. Because we do live in a world and in a culture that is very materialistic. But God, you have also blessed us with so much. Lord, just the roof that we have over our heads is such a blessing. Lord, I pray against the trap of falling into this desire to accumulate things just for our own enjoyment. But Lord, I pray that as you bless us, and I do believe that you will bless us as we are living faithfully and obeying your word, that as you bless us, God, that we would have the right 
lenses, the right vision that we would see clearly on how to live our lives in light of the blessing that you have blessed us with. Lord, that we would be giving of our time, giving of our resources into the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to sow into our families things that matter, things that will live on well past this life. And Father, I know that as we do that, you will give us joy, you will give us peace, and that you will be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.